On a problematic podcast, we talk about the movies and media from yesteryear and today that may have aged poorly. We discuss if they are truly offensive or simply misjudged. Is it even possible to navigate these landmines without being canceled ourselves? Listen weekly to find out if the jokes your parents found funny still hold up today. I'm calling for a remake of Soul Man. Oh, God. Season one of a problematic podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you stream your podcast. Thank you, ACAST. We're an ACAST podcast. Come party with us at Oz, New Orleans' number one gay dance club, located on Bourbon Street in the heart of the French Quarter. A cool late-night gay dance club with DJs, drag queens, go-go dancers, and a balcony for people watching. Oz is New Orleans' premier gay dance club with new shows every night of the week. So come visit us at 800 Bourbon Street today. Are you looking for a gift for a special someone or something for yourself to help with self-care? Well, visit radiantlightcandleco.com. Homemade candles perfectly scented to provide you an escape from reality. Each one of their scents is made to provoke a thought, feeling, or vibe to help your inner light shine through. So visit RadiantLightCandleCode.com. That's R-A-D-I-A-N-T-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-N-D-L-E-C-O.com today for all your candle and soap needs. Hi, everyone. If you support a person's reproductive rights, please visit RAP.org. That's W-R-R-A-P dot O-R-G. RAP helps bridge the financial gap for people who seek an abortion or emergency contraceptives. Here's how they work. RAP stands for Women's Reproductive Rights Assistant Project, but we all know that more people than just cisgender women can get pregnant. They're here to help everyone. RAP is the largest national independent nonprofit abortion fund. They provide urgently needed financial assistance nationwide to individuals seeking abortion services or emergency contraceptives. So if you're a person in need or if you're a person just willing to help, please visit rap.org. That's W-R-R-A-P dot O-R-G. That's W-R-R-A-P dot O-R-G today. What's going on, everybody? I'm Daniel Gray, and welcome to Indie Solo, a Blood Rain podcast. Today, I am with the DJ Mac of the Bitch track. He is one of my favorite people, one of my favorite DJs and musical artists. It's Adam Joseph. Hi, Adam Joseph. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I am doing amazingly great now that I'm here with you. Well, thanks for I'm having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is the podcast where I get to interview all of my favorite entertainers who are doing it big for themselves. And um, needless to say, you are one who is always doing it big. Um, you had no idea who I was when I was in New York City. I was running my <laughs> little my little part of the world. You were running the entire city. Um, <laughs> And I'm so happy that we're now friends and I get to work with you all the time, especially every Thursday. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, where did you grow up? Um, well, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and uh, yeah, good old Midwest boy. How was that? Um, you know, Cincinnati is a nice place to grow up. Uh, I just had to get out of there as soon as I possibly could <laughs> when, I to, when I went to college. 
Oh, where did you go to college? Uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. What? You went to Berkeley? Yeah. Um, that is amazing. My parents wouldn't let me go to Boston at all. They were scared for me to leave. Uh, my mom was scared for me to leave New Orleans. I eventually left to go to Savannah. That was as far as she would let me go. How <laughs> was Berkeley? That that's a hard school to get into. Um, it's a it was a really great experience. Um, I was kind of in between going to college for musical theater and and Berkeley was the only school that I was applying to that was just for music uh, because I used to be really into theater. I went to a performing arts school in Cincinnati um, and used to do a lot of musical theater, acting, dancing, all that stuff. And um, but I was always really most interested in doing music and I started kind of writing songs when I was about 16 and I kind of uh, I was getting really uh, interested in songwriting production um, and I was always like a singer so like performance and stuff so it was a great place because I kind of got to learn a lot of different things um, concentrating on performance, but also learning about songwriting, learning about uh, producing music, uh, learning about the music business in general. So it was great. And I, I really, you know, the best thing about going to Berkeley is that you meet tons of other musicians that are coming up because in the music world, it's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. So coming from a, you know, Coming from Cincinnati, I didn't know anyone that was in the music business. Um, and it was kind of like a, you know, kind of just- So you went there for no, you went there for networking. You said, I already know how to write this music. I'm just gonna <laughs> network. I'm gonna go to college. Whichever one of you bitches becomes big, at least I'll know you. Right, I mean, it was crazy because the, the, um, I met so many great people there that have gone on to do amazing things in the music industry. And um, like, who could you, t- could you name, could you <laughs> name a person and could you give us a little dirt on were they the sloppy, were they the sloppy fraternity drunk in college? Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I have much dirt, but I'm my best friend who was my, uh, still one of my best friends who was in my first band uh, in college, uh, Nikki Glaspie, went on to become the drummer for Beyonce. What? And uh, she was on the road with Beyonce for a few years when she had that like all girl band. Um, Oh yeah, I remember that era. Yeah. Okay. She's playing, she's the one playing drums on Love on Top and a few of her other big hits and uh yeah so i got to meet beyonce through my friend <laughs> that was kind of what <laughs> How? and you're still here you didn't explode with excitement <laughs> could you yeah, just get cool. for free for t- free tickets to beyonce so free that's... tickets to beyonce and you got to meet and greet and the meet and greet <laughs> how did she smell did she smell like heaven did she smell like money that's how I imagine Beyonce just smells like money. 
yeah i mean she didn't smell bad that's for sure she was it's it's so weird when you meet the big superstars because you think of them as like these huge gods but like she's so she's so tiny you know like when you see her in person you're like oh i'm taller than you wow oh <laughs> yeah. my god well that's amazing now from berkeley where did you go i moved straight to new york city from boston okay and, um yeah while i was in the process of recording my first album so i i recorded i recorded my first album in boston but i was living in new york at the time so i was going back and forth back and it's in, been 20 back, years oh my god it's been 20 years back and forth back in the day when i had to bring my um desktop computer literally <laughs> in my car back and forth from new york to boston to record my album uh with different musicians in um in boston so yeah I, um, i'll never forget that it was <laughs> before before i had a laptop <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing um your first album 20 years ago it's the 20th anniversary. Are we releasing a 20th anniversary version? Um, I don't know. I was thinking about doing something. Uh, maybe I'll do a, a a remix or something like that for one of the songs just to celebrate the 20. I can't believe it's been 20 years and 20 years. And what was it called? How I Seem to Be? Yes, How I Seem to Be. That was the that was the first album. And that had, you know, my first single, Flow with My Soul, which was um which which really was what got me going because back in the day when they had uh the click list on logo which was like mm -hmm. a music video show and um people could vote for your video and so i i did a music video for that song and it got on the click list did really well and um, I really got some traction going from that. Now for people, Logo was a television network and a television network- <laughs> I think was it still a exists. <laughs> a television network for people that don't know is a streaming service where you don't get to pick what you watch. They program things <laughs> for you to watch. Right. Um, I do remember seeing you on Logo um, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. Now I, I knew you from uh, flow with my soul, but the thing that really got my attention was the faggoty attention. Yes, faggoty <laughs> attention. Yeah, that was uh, probably that was the first taste of a quote unquote hit that I I feel like I had because people would come up to me and recognize me from the video and start singing the song to me. And I just thought, I thought that was really crazy. I did Faggoty Attention for um, a movie called A Four Letter Word that I was actually in the movie performing this song. Uh, and it's funny because that whole song was totally a joke that my friend Johnny McGovern told me uh, to write who I was working with at the time, I'm still working with that, um, you know, we were we were always like coming up with stupid, silly songs, song ideas. And he said, you should write a song called Faggoty Attention about giving your faggoty attention to a straight boy and like seducing him. And I, 
<clears throat> I never really thought I would actually do the song. It was just kind of a joke that we were ha had between us. And then I was kind of bored one day and I just started thinking about it and wrote the song. And then I got a call from uh, the director of this movie, A Four Letter Word, that was asking me if I had any dance songs that he could use for the movie. And I hadn't actually produced the song I had written I had the written the idea but I hadn't like put it down and and so he's like but we need it in like a few days so I just sat down and produced the song in like a day and recorded it and like a few days later I was filming it for the movie so that's amazing now your musical persona I it started well it seems to have started when you were 16. um i know that you were in a group with johnny mcgovern weren't you i was called uh team pimp which we also had many videos on logo on the click list we toured around the country performing um for a few years yeah johnny mcgovern pimp, king johnny of McGovern. just Johnny McGovern is king of I'm gay and I'm going to make money off of just being gay. That's amazing. Um, yes. Love that. Love that. Now, how did you meet Johnny? Was it random in New York City? <clears throat> um, I met Johnny through a friend, Stephen Alexander, in New York City because he was, Johnny was looking for a music producer to record new songs and um I was a very beginner at the beginning of my music production career. I produced my first album um, and I had done a few demos for people here and there. And me and Johnny met, we started, you know, working on some songs and it's turned into like this relationship that we've had for almost 20 years now too um of producing music and just you know uh we've made tons we've made i don't know three albums at this point together for him and um yeah and he was at the time one of the most popular uh party promoters in new york city so that really also got me into the club scene in New York and, um, you know, DJing, performing, producing for all of the New York City nightlife personalities. Um, yeah, so Johnny McGovern a definitely has definitely ushered me into the, the, the glamour of New York City nightlife. Well, you produce for other artists as well. I I uh, was reading Jason Walker and Ari Gold. I love yes. I love Ari. What did you, how, could you give us a little dirt on either one of them? And who <laughs> else have you produced for? Well, yeah, I actually met Ari Gold um, before I met Johnny because he, he contacted me because he had heard my album. And okay. I was, I actually, he asked me um, to sing, sing backgrounds for him. Um, and I, so yeah, I started singing backgrounds for him with my friend, Nick Sinkler. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I also, you know, I toured 
a lot with Ari um, and then ended up producing some songs for some of his albums as well. Because I remember being in New York, being in Manhattan, because you guys ran Gay Manhattan, um, and people might not believe me, I don't care, I was there. You guys were doing Gaga before Gaga was doing all the things that she was doing. You guys had the dance music and the costumes and the outfits and the glasses and the wearing and just oh, the yeah. glitter and glam, <laughs> like the sunglasses at night of it all. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was it was a crazy time, crazy ride for sure. Um, what inspired you to do? Is that was that your musical theater background coming out when you were doing all? Because I remember seeing you at. Well, it's the Glam Awards now. Before it used to be yeah. called the Glammies. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing you at the Glammies. I went with uh, my friend Logan Hardcore. Oh, love Logan. And uh, you were killing the game. Um, I think, yeah, at that time it was just, there was just so much inspiration and, uh, you know, all the, club kids and drag queens you know everybody whenever whenever you go out you you just had to like you know you kind of were empowered to be the biggest version of yourself that you could be because everybody was just kind of going for it you know and and it was just like having fun and expressing yourself i feel very lucky to have come up in that early 2000s time of New York City when it was you were, still you kind were. of like yeah it was still kind of like underground you know the 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 gay scene was really a, a really a big family um mm-hmm. all the people that worked in the in the nightlife scene knew each other and would kind of collaborate and hang out and it was just a just a really really fun way to kind of spend my early years as an artist it it was glamorous it felt dirty and i loved that about yeah yeah and it it wasn't you know it, it wasn't it was just kind of us doing our thing. It wasn't, there was no Instagram. There was not even like hardly Facebook at the time. It was, it was very like, no, you know, no, it wasn't like people putting videos and pictures up constantly. It was just like yeah. our, us doing our thing and having fun. And um, yeah. Everybody getting their picture taken for Next Magazine. That was our Instagram. Right, right. If we showed up in the back of Next Magazine, you knew. <laughs> that you. <laughs> had made you it knew in you, New York. You, you, you did something that week. That was our Instagram. Um, so you still are a performer. Um, what made you transition to producer DJ? I know you've been producing, mm-hmm. um, but what made you transition more to a producer DJ? Because you came out with mega smash hit that I think that you should still get a Grammy for, for best remix because no one, Drag Race was on Logo and you you brought us back the bitch track. <laughs> yeah. You took that monologue and you made diamonds. <laughs> um, before we get into that, what helped you transition from being a performer 
to more of a producer DJ? Is it, was it just a natural progression? How was that? Yeah, I mean, it was really just doing the same thing I had been doing. I had been, you know, producing stuff for lots of different people in New York and um, still kind of performing, producing my own music at the same time. And um, when I, and I was always a huge fan of Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. I just, I I had produced a few bitch tracks that we had used audio from different things like Johnny McGovern uh, had a really popular podcast. And sometimes there was a few things that we took, uh, you know, things that people said on the podcast and I made a bitch track out of that. So it was like things that weren't originally meant to be a song and then kind of make it into a song. So. Mm-hmm. Everyone was talking about this, um, you know, rant that that Aja went on on Untucked and uh, Linda Evangelista. So I so I I was like, you know what? This would make a really good bitch track because she's basically bitching at Valentina and um, you can kind of hear it in her voice that she's pissed off. And I was like, this would make a I should do something with this. And um you know, I mean, I'm not the first person to make songs out of drag race quotes, but I, uh, I just. But bitch, you did it, it the best. I threw it down and, and I made that literally in a day, really just uh, once again, like as a joke, you know, I didn't think that it would be come as popular. I never thought it was going to become as popular as it did. And then they ended up actually playing it on the show, which is just like mind blowing. So that was that. I mean, I thought that I had had, you know, like success with as an independent artist, when you get like, you know, any kind of traction, it's always amazing because you don't have, you Mm -hmm. know, this big record label pushing you or anything. It was like completely organic, viral, stuff that you know that song blew up so fast it was like really a really an amazing feeling um and to see people like playing it in clubs and uh you know just stuff like that was just really really cool did aja immediately contact you and Thank Actually. you <laughs> thank you say oh my gosh you you did something amazing um Valentina contacted me and thanked me, actually. (laughs) Um, Aja was a little, I think she was a little triggered by the song and people kept asking her to perform it at her shows and she really um, didn't want to have much to do with it. um, Why? Take the lemonade! Yeah, I think that she was just a little triggered by that whole situation and um, maybe felt like people were making fun of her more than just appreciating the TV moment that she had. So I don't think that she was too thrilled about it, but, you know. I would ask you to marry me if I was Aja. I would be like, (laughs) oh my God. People wait to quote the great Kelly Clarkson. People wait a lifetime for a moment like this. 
and you yeah. gave her her moment. Yeah, I think it was anytime that people are saying your name and quoting your, you know, quoting you, I think it's it's a good thing, you know. So I I, I don't know. I mean, it was a. Uh, it was just kind of like lightning in a bottle type thing that that just everybody, you know, how could, how do you know when people are going to cling on to some random quote, you know, but. Well, I'm yeah. glad at least Valentina knew. Valentina said, thank you so much for this. Valentina, <laughs> Valentina your smile is beautiful. You're amazing. Um, I, so you went from that to that amazing, that amazingness. I still think you should be a permanent guest judge on Drag Race just for that. <laughs> um, so you did that, and then you and Johnny McGovern collaborated again on the show Hey Queen after the tragic loss of Miss Lady Brigator. Well, before, um, before. Oh, you did it before. I know that yeah. you started co-hosting and doing the with Erica tour. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was in the band, you know, the band, me and a keyboard. And the, um, and the wigs. And the, and the wigs and the behind me. The wig heads, yeah. Um, the go-to-bed wigs. Uh, bef actually, before, with Lady while Lady Ray Couture was still with us, because um, I moved to L.A. in... What made you move to L.A.? Um... Well, I for, I was in New York, and then I started going to Europe a bunch, and then I moved to, to Europe, um, and I was just touring, performing in clubs a lot, because I kind of found an outlet to perform in Europe more than in America. I was doing wow, a lot of... How did, before we get to LA then, how did that come about? I did not know this about you. Um, <laughs> tell me, yeah. tell me, tell me. Um, I'm very international, you know, <laughs> um, um, bicontinental. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Global entry. Yes. Yeah. Pre-checked global entry. For Done. sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, my friend that I was talking about earlier, Nick Sinkler, who I used to sing backgrounds with Ari Gold, he moved to Europe and he's, you know, he's also a recording artist. He moved to Europe early on. He, he used to live you know, in New York. And then he moved to Europe to kind of try to be a singer out there, to be an artist. And so I started visiting him. He moved to Poland and I started visiting him and he was performing around Poland as, you know, a singer singing in clubs with DJs and stuff, which is not really something that a lot of people do in the United States where you have like a live, a live act with a dj and so they would play like instrumental house and we would sing over the over the tracks and we would sing like songs that people knew or sing our own songs whatever and um but that's not like Penison, finally you did that finally right 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 i kind of developed like a live a vocal DJ act where sometimes I would sing with other DJs. Sometimes I would DJ and sing at the same time. And we, I toured, you know, around Europe and played all kinds of places uh, for years. Like for, I, I used to go, I was over there for about, um, I lived there for about two years in Poland, but before that, for like four years before that, I was going back and forth from New York to Europe and, and from, you know, staying there for months at a time, touring and stuff. Um, 
so I got to the point when I was in New York that I was I was living in New York, but I was actually in Europe more than I was in New York. <laughs> I was over that perform. So I said, why don't I just give this a try and actually move there? And, um, you know, I moved there. I, I played tons of gigs. I, you know, every weekend I was in a different city performing with DJs and doing festivals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, Can you tell us your top three cities in Europe? Yeah. Um, in the whole well, continent. I've played in Berlin a bunch of times, and that's always really great. Um, the clubs in Berlin are amazing and very anything. What goes. kind of clubs in Berlin? All kinds of clubs. I've been to Berlin. I know what they do there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in, uh, and let me see. Uh, Berlin, I've played, I've played a really crazy club in, in, um, Barcelona called Razmataz. That was great. Um, which Barcelona is an amazing city, super fun. Um, and I guess the third would have to be, what are the group, what are the best places? I mean, I've played God, I've played in a lot of different places. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, it's just, in Warsaw, there's some, there's some really, there's some really fun parties in Warsaw. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, okay, it was been, yeah, it's it's great, and and I think that, I mean, I've also done the my that type of show around the United States, but. In Europe, it's a lot more common, I guess, to see like a live singer with the DJ. A lot of times they sometimes they have like live uh, saxophone player or percussion or something like that. Like that, there's a lot of times where they like to incorporate a live element into the club setting to kind of give a different kind of energy and not just a DJ, you know? Well, I find Europe is depending upon where in Europe, it's a whole continent, but I find you're more fast and loose. Like in America, we're really, we know what we like and that's what we want. Right. Um, and in Europe, they're like, oh, this is new. Let's do this. Wunderbar. Yay. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, yeah. So you went from Europe and then what brought you to LA from Europe? Well, yeah, I got sick of like not being able to speak Polish. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that just kind of, you know, I mean, I, I still go over there to perform, but I really wanted to give LA a try and kind of try to incorporate myself into mainstream, the mainstream music scene, which I would say didn't really work out very well. <laughs> I've always been, you know, I've always been. I've been making a living as a professional musician for almost 20 years now, um, but I've always kind of been doing it by myself um, as an independent artist. And there's this whole, you know, there's this, there's the, there's the music industry where, you know, the whole goal is to have a hit on the radio and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But that was never really my thing. And I don't even think that was really my, the type of music that I was making would never necessarily be a mainstream music because it was always very targeted towards a niche market, you know, like the mm -hmm. gay LGBT scene. So 
Um, so, you know, I, 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 I knew that, you know, Johnny McGovern had moved to LA and a few of my other friends had moved to LA. And I just really like, after I was felt like I didn't want to live in Poland anymore, I was just like, well, where else could I possibly go? So I decided to give LA a try and, um, I was, you know, it was cool to hey. be in LA to be able to be on Hey Queen and um, reconnect with How Johnny. How was that and, experience on the um, Hey to the Queens? It was, it was great. It was, it was fun to, you know, kind of be doing our own little TV show, and um, you know, and and that's, I mean, while I lived in LA was when I started. Uh, I, I was working really hard when I was in LA and, but not necessarily in LA. I was doing a lot of, you know, I did the Linda Evangelista. I did a lot of other bitch tracks and, um, got, you know, some, some traction from all of the music that I was producing and ended up doing a lot of remixes for people and still releasing new music for myself and touring, but I wasn't necessarily doing that much work in LA. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of like, I could have been anywhere, you know, um, uh, doing that. You couldn't be anywhere and film. Hey queen. That, well, I... that was the only thing that was, that I feel like was really like tying me to LA. You know what I, mean? I lived for that show that before there before everybody had before there was like the pit stop and and all these millions of podcasts and whatever where all the drag queens get to talk uh hey queen you guys gave the queens their johnny carson tonight show moment yeah yeah and it was groundbreaking um how was your involvement with that show? Could you just give us an experience, your experience on that show and how amazing it was? If it was amazing or give us dirt, tell us how shitty it was. <laughs> Johnny's a bitch. No, Johnny's great. Um, uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really, I didn't really have that much experience being on camera. Um, or like a TV show that was just like, I'd never really, I'd done, you know, I mean, done acting and stuff in the past, but, um, so that was like a new, exciting, uh, project to be a part of. Like I had, it kind of just like naturally transitioned that I would be on the show because I created the theme song for the show and sang, sang the theme song. And, um, hey, queen. yeah, Love and it. I was like, already always working with Johnny and stuff. And then, so when I was in LA, he was like, well, we should have you as like the, um, like the band leader. We could have like musical segments and stuff like that. So, uh, it was fun and it was great to like meet all these queens from drag race and different, uh, gay celebrities and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of like a, a natural fit for me to be a part of Hey Queen. And um, it was really fun. We had a great time. And uh, then, you know, after Lady Red uh, passed, I was kind of there. I feel like really just to kind of support Johnny and have somebody, somebody else there to share the show with, you know what I mean? So it was, it was um, you, Johnny, 
and Erica Tour, I remember. Right, right. Uh, on the who, on the season eight, yeah, the Hate Queen. It was great. You guys were amazing on that show. Um, now, what brought you to New Orleans? We're happy to have you. I'm happy. Uh, Adam is my DJ every Thursday at the Oz for my for my show, and after he has the best parties in all of New Orleans, he DJs the best. Um, what brought you here? Well, I have um, some friends that I grew up with that um, moved down here a long time ago. And I used to come here, I started coming here in um, once or twice a year. Once I moved to, once I moved to LA, I would come here usually during like jazz fest and like do some, do some gigs around town with people and um stay with my friend and she was always trying to convince me why don't you just move here you should just move here and i was you know <laughs> i i i just uh i don't know I, every time i came to new orleans i just really loved it and i never wanted to leave it was like i just love the the vibe here and um so i finally you know when, when i was in la it was it was a lot of like I feel like I could be doing what, what I'm doing anywhere other than Hey Queen, but like, you know, I could be producing music. You know, I, I did a lot of stuff while I was on the road and, I, you know, so I, I was like, I feel like I just want to settle down in a place that's a little bit more chill than New York City or LA. And um, so I, I actually came here uh, in during the pandemic i drove to new orleans by myself um just to get out of my house <laughs> and, <laughs> you know what i mean and, and and just hang out um in a different place for a while and that's when i kind of decided I, I i had i've i had a i had the dream to buy a house um and obviously uh in LA, unless you're a millionaire, you're not going to get very far with buying a house. So, um, me not being a millionaire, started looking <laughs> at other options and realized that, you know, it might be actually kind of possible to buy a house in a different city like New Orleans. And so I saved up my coin tatas and ended up buying a house in 2021 in New Orleans and moved down here. Congratulations. We love having you. We Thank love you. that you're here. Yeah, and I feel uh, really, um, I feel really lucky that I found a place like Oz to be a resident DJ, like the best dance club and gay dance club in New Orleans. To premier gay know. dance club in New Orleans, best comedy show in New Orleans, Queers of Comedy, hosted by yes. your your one and only. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Now, usually at this time, we talk about housewives, but you don't give a fuck about housewives. We I'm just not, do something. I'm not a housewives gay. We usually do something fun and talk about housewives, but you are a drag drag race gay. Uh, oh yeah. From the beginning. Um, from Logo, from- From the very the, beginning. From BB I mean, Zahara. I, I would, I, yeah, because, well, um, I don't want to, you know, name dropper or anything or whatever. Do it. Drop what, the name. What's crazy is that 
we were talking about Ari Gold. Ari Gold introduced me to RuPaul years before Drag Race. And me and Ru ended up becoming friends and started hanging out when he lived in New York. And um, we ended up, you know, we hung out when I, when I was living in LA. So I was a friends with RuPaul. So I, when I heard that, that he was doing Drag Race, you know, I was like, well, I definitely have to watch this. So I've always been a, a super fan of Drag Race and Drew and all of that. So, you know. Is RuPaul as nice as he is on the show or is he more bitchy? I heard from what I know about <laughs> RuPaul, he's much more crude. He loves a dirty joke is what yeah. I RuPaul is a good old fashioned New York City faggot, just like all the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, people want to like make her into this. I don't even know. You know, once once people once people get, you know, RuPaul was already famous, but like now she's like the god of drag and everything. Um, you know, people want to make these people into something other than just, you know, she's just another girl from from New York. She's she's really fun, great sense of humor, loves to have a good time. She was very sweet to me, very supportive, um, you know, and, you know, she was like a fan of my music. That's why we started hanging out. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've, we've, I feel like uh, Rue gets a little bit misunderstood uh, at this point because People want to, I don't know, they want her to be. They're trying to clean her up and I want her to be the. Yeah, it's just like she's been around. She was, you know, doing gender fuck drag in the 80s. Like, yeah, they're trying to, you know, drag queens are not politicians. You know what I mean? Maybe the world would be a better place if they were, but, you know. (laughs) They're just They're like, trying to Disneyfy my RuPaul and I remember my yeah. RuPaul when I was in Manhattan was just a gender queer just fuck <laughs> fuck everybody. She's a drag queen. I mean, come on. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Um do you mind if I ask you just a few drag queen drag race quick questions? Let's do it. And then okay, your top 3 winners of all time. Top three winners. Hmm. Let's see. I would say Bianca Del Rio is, she's great. She's so, she's fucking hilarious. I actually saw her when she was in New Orleans this, this past year. Um, and her shows were really good. Um, hmm. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of all the winners that to choose from. <laughs> we have Bibi, we have Tyra, we have uh, Raja, Raja, um, uh, Sharon Needles, Jinx. You already said Bianca. I I like Violet. I really like Jinx too. Jinx Jinx is really good. I saw I I got to see her and Ben De La Creme show in New York for her Christmas show. Like. Two years, it was two years ago. Yeah, that was really good. Um, Jinx is super talented. And, um, oh God, uh, 
One of you have them, Violet, you have Bob, you have... <laughs> Bob, 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 Bob. I definitely love Bob. Bob's great. I remember when Bob was kitten with a whip. <laughs> Do you remember yes. that? Yes. Before yes. she was Bob the drag queen. I remember when Bob was kitten with the whip and nobody knew who she was. It's so crazy to like remember before these queens were even queens. Mm -hmm. Or they had and she first, to carry that whip. They had their remember? first show, you know, in New York or whatever. I remember when Bianca Del Rio came to New York for the first time and she started performing at Barracuda, you know, like Barracuda. Or they were in even in New York. It's crazy. Splash on that little box. Um, do you remember when Bob the Drag Queen as Kitten with the Whip? I forget she ma got married, quote unquote, in Times Square and got arrested. Oh, and it yeah, made yeah. it up. <laughs> it was amazing. Mate, I remember all of those things. Um, okay. Most overrated queen that has ever been on Drag Race. Overrated. Oh my God. Um, this is hard, Daniel, because I've met most of these people in person. So, I mean, you know, if they're overrated, they're overrated. I'll give you, I'll, I'll, uh, from what I hear today, Aja, you are overrated. You should have thanked him for making that bitch track. It made you way more famous. <laughs> and mean, if Aja's, you are unhappy, Aja's you don't deserve talented. it. Aja's very uh -huh. talented. Um, I think. Let me see. Overrated. I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, hmm. Oh my god, this is hard. This is hard. Uh, You're so nice. I'm just You're gonna so say Serena Chach. <laughs> <laughs> that's um. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Okay. 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 She's not even rated. So the rating she right. does have is over. Is <laughs> too much. Too much for her. Um. What has been your favorite season? Season five is probably my favorite season. When it was season still on Logo. Oh yeah, but that was when it was, that was when it was really good. I mean, that was like, think about the, the queens that run season five. They're like so many mm -hmm. legendary. Alexa, Roxy Andrews. Coco, Roxy, Alaska. I mean Detox. like- Detox. Detox, like these are like all huge stars. Crazy. Latrice. No, was Latrice? Was she four? I can't even remember. But yeah, like the the well, older, let's get into no, I, I like the older seasons. I mean, I love the new seasons, but like something about the older seasons. It's that gritty. It was and gritty. I think it wasn't... That the, a lot of the queens had more experience. You know what I mean? Like they, they have all these, they, the Queens now are so young and fresh then they have maybe, you know, I love how you use that years, as a, you use three, that as your Ohio years. nice. Some of them are like, you know, some of them are like one I've done been doing drag for one year. And it's like, I mean, not that there's anything like, God bless you. If you can get on TV after doing drag for one year and like do really well, that's amazing. But like, there's something about these Queens that were already like, in their mind stars you know what i mean and and then they go on and there's it just makes for more like you know they just have their their personality really like together it just shows how ohio nice you are like that because you said it in such the nicest way but it was such a bitchy gay thing these young fresh bitches are awesome <laughs> that's how it was interpreted by me 
Yeah. Um, that's not how you said it. You said it very nice. You well, are I mean, it's also like these queens were doing drag way before Drag Race even existed. And now I feel like half of these queens on Drag Race are doing drag to get on Drag Race. You know what I mean? Well, because that, that is what they, I don't like. Yeah, yeah, because like, you know, that, and it's it's kind of funny, the whole concept of Drag Race where drag queens are actual celebrities now because the whole thing about drag was you're not a celebrity, but you're acting like a celebrity. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And now it's like you actually are a celebrity because you're on TV, but the whole thing about drag was like, you're a local, you're like a local celebrity and celebrity in your mind, but you're actually just like, nobody really knows who you are. You know what I mean? Except yes. for the people coming to your show. That was my problem. And I'm just going to go on a little rant and I love her always will. That was my problem with Tina Burner. I love Tina Burner when she was in Manhattan, loved her at lips. And then when I saw her on drag race, I was like, this is not my Tina Burner. This is TV Tina. And I don't like TV Tina. I like, yeah. Well, I the, like funny thing is, the funny thing is I used to work with Tina Burner. I used to have a show, literally the first residency show that I had at XS, um, where I had a, like a live band. We did it for a year, every, every Tuesday night and we had a live band and, and, and it was really great. It, it was really fun. Tina Burner was not Tina Burner. Tina Burner was the bartender at the at XS <laughs> before she had ever done drag. And I actually didn't even see Tina Burner do drag that much because she started doing drag like when I started leaving town and going to Europe and stuff. She, she was a she was a bartender before you know in New York for a long time before she was actually a drag queen. So I knew Tina from as a boy, you know. I know that boy. I know that boy. And I won't say much more. Um, okay. Before we end, your top, could I get your top three artists, mainstream artists that you would love to remix and work with for, work with? Okay. Um, let me see. As a, cause you're a musician. We gotta get yeah. a musical question in to end this thing. Yeah. Um, well, my one of my favorite all-time artists would have to be Shaka Khan. Okay. Um, I've I've been a fan of her for a really long time. Um, uh, I had the pleasure of riding in a car with her and going through the Burger King drive-through. Oh my um, gosh! <laughs> the life, the life you have lived. And I got this. I sang for her in the car. And she, um, I can't tell you exactly what she said, <laughs> but she ended up saying, you better sing. That's my N word. Um, okay. Shaka Khan has quite the mouth on her. Love um, that. She's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, Erica Badu was um, the biggest inspiration on me to actually write and record music. I was super, super into, I mean, I still am into Erica Badu. I just love everything she's done. Okay, dog um, lady. Yes. And uh, I guess these are in no particular order because Shaka Khan and Erica Badu are always my, my two like 
first, you know, the first ones that come to mind. And God, um, Kim Burrell. Kim Burrell. I love gospel music. I, I'm no way, you know, uh, I mean, I grew up in the church, in the white church, but um, <laughs> Southern Baptist church. You're going to um, give Kim Burrell your faggoty attention. Uh, I don't know if she wants it, but yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, she's one of the, you know, biggest, uh, like vocal inspirations in my book, like singing, trying to learn her riffs and stuff like that. She's the master. So, yeah. Adam, Joseph, it was a pleasure getting to know more about you. You are a fascinating human being. And it is a pleasure to work with you at the Oz and get to see you every Thursday. Um, is there anything I'm so glad that we could reconnect down here in New Orleans. Yes. Is there anything you want to end with that you want to tell the people? Well, you guys, um, if you have no clue who I am and you want to <laughs> see what I'm, what we're actually talking about, you can visit my uh, YouTube page, which has pretty much all of my music, music videos. Um, uh, just search Adam Joseph on YouTube and you can get some faggoty attention. And yes. uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Adam Joseph Music. Also Twitter at Adam Joseph Music. And uh, yeah, go stream me on Spotify so I can make a fraction get of that, a cent. Get that Spotify <laughs> Quintatus, yes. He has a house to pay for. That's true. Adam Joseph, you're amazing. Um, thank you so much. Come see Adam and I every Thursday at the Oz. Yeah, uh, come see me. If you're in New Orleans, come dance on Thursday. And I'm also there on, you know, sometimes Friday, sometimes Saturday, just depending on the weekend. So there yeah. we go. All right. And until next time, everybody, have a great day and a good night. <laughs>